Killing Eve Season 3, Episode 4, still got it, is over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. Hello, everybody. I am Josh Wiggler, joined here by Jessica Lee to talk you through a really difficult episode of Killing Eve. Um, This is the one where they show you a bad case of the hiccups, but no real good solution for how to cure them. So Jess and I are going to walk you through exactly how to do that. We've got some tried and true methods that we're bringing to the podcast this week. Well, any reader of children's literature knows that there are many, many ways to try and cure your hiccups. Mm -hmm. Give me some. Lay out the list. You got the good old standby of drink a glass of water mm-hmm. and you've got the stand on your head. You have the eat a spoonful of sugar. You have suck on a lemon. You have have somebody scare you. Mm-hmm. You have somebody look in your eye and command you to hiccup. That sounds terrifying. Like it, like trying to like peer pressure you into hiccuping. And so like you, you have performance anxiety and so you stop stop hiccuping. Yeah, the second you have to think about it, apparently, like it triggers something in your conscious brain. I don't know. They didn't really explain it, but that's how Little Bear <laughs> cured his hiccups. Wow. Um, back in the Maurice Sendak universe. Wow. It's been a while since I've explored the extended Maurice Sendak uh, cinematic universe. Uh, so Yeah, the uh, MSCU. <laughs> so I didn't remember that one. The tried and true hiccup cure that I have, Jess, is I hold my breath for eight seconds then I suck in another deep breath for eight seconds without letting that first one out. So now we're up to 16 seconds total. And then you release it slowly. And then the hiccups are gone. And that's it. And it's, I've been employing this since 2011. And it's worked every single time. Well, the next time I have the hiccups, I'll give that one a shot. I never have the hiccups. Obviously, we are just trying to give you some safe distance in case you're suddenly realizing, oh, I'm listening to the Episode 4 podcast. I didn't realize Episode 4 was out already. It's too busy watching the Westworld finale, the Westworld finale, which Joe Garfine and I will be back here on Post Show Recaps later this week, recapping for you. Uh, so you watched that. You forgot that Killing Eve was on. You're like, oh, there's the Killing Eve podcast. I should listen to it. Oh, but I should probably watch the episode first. Yeah, you should. Big spoilers this week. It's a big spoilable episode of Killing Eve. So hopefully you've gotten out of here and acquainted yourself with the episode before Jess and I really ruined your day if you haven't watched it yet on a couple of levels. Well, Josh, there are a lot of people on uh, several of the shows that I have covered across the extended post-show recaps and Rob as a podcast universe. I have had people tell me they do not actually watch the show I cover. They just listen to the podcast. So that may describe some of you out there as well. But in this case... There are some cases I might not urge you as strongly to go back and watch the episode, but this is a great show. Why are you not watching it if you're going to listen to the podcast? This is the one to watch. Killing Eve is a show to watch. Walking Dead, you can listen to Jess and I describe what's going on and have fun that way. Killing Eve, you should be watching Killing Eve, and you should certainly have watched this week's Killing Eve. Season 3, Episode 4, still got it. Um, We're going to get into the spoilers now. Turns out, Jess... uh, Four episodes deep into season three, halfway through the third season of BBC America and AMC's Killing Eve, we are down not one, but two series regulars who are mainstays from the very first season, two people who are very close, the Eve Balastri, uh, and one in particular who is our latest casualty, Nico, off the board, uh, skewered by a dastardly Dasha. 
right in front of Eve. Uh, one of the one of the saddest things I've seen in a long time. Even even as it was like one of those things where it's like, oh no, I feel like this is coming. Like the whole episode. I don't know if you felt that way too. Yeah, I kind of did. Although it took a while for that to sort of feel like it was really going to happen because right. my I take notes in real time and the first thing I said at the top of the episode when we see where Nico is and how he's doing, I think I'm glad we're still getting some from him because a lesser show would have just written him off off screen and been like, yep, he's in Poland now. Bye bye, Nico. Right. And the fact that this one not only didn't do that, let us know what it's like for him, where he's at in Poland and gets us that much more involved in it, in what he's doing and in him as a character only to off him violently at the end of the violently. episode after we're feeling like maybe he's going to be okay. That was, that's just testament to what kind of show this is. It was tough. It was tough. It was a really, really brutal thing to watch. Uh, Owen McDonald, who plays Nico, uh, has played Nico since the very beginning of the show, has been uh, highs and lows for Nico all along the way. Certainly some lows in season two as he watched uh, a fellow colleague get killed by Villanelle. It traumatized him so badly that he sought uh, some sort of counseling or perhaps was even placed in counseling um, and eventually released himself and left Eve behind, tried to leave all of this behind, uh, tried to like, you know, he didn't quite shave his head and start over, uh, but he did leave London. He went back to Poland. He tried to just be the bread guy, Jess. Uh, now he's the dead guy. Well, you know, Josh, I really, I, I felt for Nico um, as someone else who has left my city behind mm. to embrace a more bucolic existence mm -hmm. on a temporary basis. Yeah. Maybe I was just that much more involved in what he was up to because I can kind of see the appeal of it now. Yeah. It does make that small town rural life look pretty good. Got that great bread job going for him. He has that cute bartender checking him out. And he's making friends. It was it was a good deal for Nico. And it, that's why it's so much sadder now that he is no longer in that life. Yeah. Uh, and really, like, for the crime of what? Being associated with Eve. Being the wedge that Dasha is going to drive between Eve and Villanelle. There's that note, right, that says, still got it, right? The still got it tied to the pitchfork. So clearly the move here from Dasha is let's kill Nico in dramatic fashion. Let's make it seem like a Villanelle job. Let's drive this wedge between Eve and Villanelle because she's not allowed to kill Eve. This is These are the marching orders from this new woman who I don't think we've met this character before unless you're remembering something that I don't. Mm -mm. Uh, seems like uh, Dasha's handler at the 12. So maybe this is somebody at the level that Villanelle is uh, is aiming for. Um, makes the call, like, drive a wedge between them. We don't really care. Use your imagination. But Killing Eve uh, is the name <laughs> of the show. <laughs> and it's the uh, one thing you're not allowed to do. Yeah, it's off the menu. Uh, and so this is the move she makes. You're, you're reading that the same way, right? Yeah, I am reading that the same way. Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting, I think, that Dasha is able to glean what is the thing that needs to happen here it's it's a really it's a really tight solid move for dasha here um and testament to how well she knows villanelle and to how well she kind of knows eve by proxy now 
because this is definitely the one thing that could be done that she can make it look like Villanelle did it. And she knows Villanelle's style enough to emulate it. Right. And that Villanelle has already had this moment where she could have killed Nico and decided not to because it was just too close to Eve and couldn't be forgiven. I mean, is that going to, do you think Eve is going to immediately see this and say, oh, this was 100% Villanelle and Villanelle is mad at me now? Or the fact that they already kind of had that conversation, is that going to make Eve wonder if this was really Villanelle? I think the problem is, is that, and I think maybe this is the, this is the thing that Dasha is banking on, is by killing Nico in front of Eve, that's just going to be such a traumatic event that it's going to it's going to unbalance Eve in a very big way. Whether that means it's going to push Eve off of the path of the twelve and the path of like getting back into all of this to begin with, or it's going to make her see red and not be able to stop down and think about well, Villanelle wouldn't kill Nico because she knows that that's a bridge too far. Like wouldn't wouldn't be able to like stop down and and like really assess whether or not this is Villanelle. I think the thing that um, Dasha is not counting on and the thing that I think we should count on as viewers of this show is that Eve and Oksana are going to cross paths again at some point down the not too terribly distant line, considering there's only four episodes left this season. Um, they are going to to be in each other's orbit again. And I'm sure it's going to come out where Eve will will learn from Villanelle and Villanelle will learn from Eve that Nico is dead. And that will be a shock to Villanelle and Eve will register the shock um, as honestly as possible. And uh, it will probably put the two of them on the path of who actually killed Nico, not necessarily in in concert together. Um, but I don't think that like Villanelle is going to be psyched about Dasha having done something like this, a, a frame job against Eve. She has her own, you know, this is her mouse, right? Like she's the cat. She gets to play with the mouse her way. She doesn't want another cat swooping in and, and messing around with Eve uh, and, and doing things like this to Eve. Uh, she wants to be playing around with her food the way that she plays around with her food. So just from that level, I think she's going to be furious with Dasha. And I think like she's already expressed at points in the season so far that she and Dasha have not always seen eye to eye. So I think it is a tight move in a lot of ways, as you say. But I think at the the other end of the spectrum is... Dasha may have just like written her own death certificate by by uh, you know signing that label and and tying it to the pitchfork. I think she may have made a move that she's gonna she's gonna come to regret someday. Yeah, well, that was my next question, and it's not really a question so much as a rhetorical statement. But there's no way Dasha makes it out of this season alive, is there? I think that there's a way that she makes it out of the season alive um, in the same way that like they have found ways for Constantine to be on this show three seasons deep. Fair. You know, like I, I think that there are ways to do it. And I actually hope so, because I, I love this character. Oh, she's great. I thought that like just like the juxtaposition of Dasha, like, you know, swimming uh, all by herself, like a total badass and then reaching the end of the pool and just going for her pack of smokes. <laughs> it's just like such a great sight gag for me. Um, I've really, I've really, really enjoyed Harriet Walter as this character. And I think that now that Dasha has, um, she obviously already has blood on her hands in the Villanelle world. Um, and now she's killed Eve's estranged husband right in front of Eve. That makes her automatically a very urgent player for both of our main characters. And yeah, you could just defuse that this season. 
but it could be one that could be interesting to stretch out over another year or two. Um, so I don't know that she necessarily has to die. I think she absolutely has to get found out. That's the bigger deal to me, is that I think that at the very least, Villanelle is going to piece together who did this and is not going to be thrilled about it. And I would expect Eve's not going to be terribly far behind, but she doesn't even know what a Dasha is at this point. She's coming close to finding out what a Dasha is, though, because in the beginning of the episode, she makes the connection between the Catalonian agitator that Villanelle has murdered with the spice and ties it back to something she remembers very dimly about seeing the dead body of the dude that Dasha murdered in 1974. So the little dots are starting to get connected. And I think if she gets a missing puzzle piece from Villanelle, she'll be able to figure it out pretty quickly. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, I I think that there's going to be a world in which Eve comes to accept that Villanelle didn't kill Nico, that Dasha is the real murderer. But who knows how soon that's going to be? Because we really do only have a limited amount of time left in in the season. We're, We're halfway home at this point. This just happened in front of Eve. Like, she was already mourning the fact that she blew up her life, that she caused all of this for Nico. Now she gets to go and see Nico. She thinks she's making this really great, active, romantic choice based on her her conversation with with Jamie, uh, which we should dig into a little bit more at, at a certain point. Um, but then she goes and she watches the man die. And like, how is that going li- to how's that going to sit with her? Is she going to push that down and keep doing the job or is that going to completely sideline her again? Um, I'm a little left in the dark as as far as like how hard this is going to hit Eve, like Carolyn is already coming at all of this with the most personal loss of all time. And it seems like it's fueling her. And that's something she said at the end of episode two, how like a great loss in the field can really motivate your work. Is that going to be the same for Eve or is this just going to totally destabilize her? Well, the other thing I wonder is, is Eve going to have to bear any fallout from the fact that Nico just got brutally murdered 10 seconds after she showed up in town? Right. Is there going to be some law enforcement repercussions there? Right. Yeah. How does she explain what just happened, Uh, especially for like locally loved Nico? Uh, You've got to imagine small town. People are not going to be stoked on Nico's death, uh, which is another really dumb thing that I've said here on the Killing Eve podcast. They're not going to be they're not going to be stoked on what happened to Nico. It's a total buzzkill. It's a real bummer. It's a real bummer. Um, It's not cool. It's just uncool. It's patently uncool. Uh, Is she going to get, you know, is she going to get the book thrown at her for this? If so, I feel like it's the kind of thing that Carolyn just swoops in and, you know, makes that go away pretty quickly. Um, like, I don't think that it's something that is going to sit with with Eve for terribly long, but it might be like an added dose of trauma onto what's already a very traumatic thing. Um so I don't know. I am a little worried about it because a lot of this season already has been about Eve building herself back up and getting back into fighting shape after, you know, a series of traumas, um, you know, having to now like rebound from like her close friend getting killed, all of this, like al- already like pulling herself up out of she got shot because she got too close to Villanelle. Right uh, after she murdered a man with an axe. With an axe, yeah. And now she's watched her husband get stabbed in the throat with the pitchfork. Which is such a, you know, we talk sometimes about, uh, certainly the show talks sometimes about, uh, make it, and even this very episode, make it nice and efficient. 
uh, which one do you want it to be? Nice or efficient? Uh, just get the job done. And poor Nico, uh, when we're when we're looking at the lists of like ways in which characters have died on this show, that's not a good one. Uh, getting stabbed in the throat with the two pronged pitchfork. That's bad. That's a tough way to go. Yeah, that's that's less desirable. You know, after like getting like surprised by seeing your estranged wife who you are really actively trying to socially distance from. Uh, and here she is breaking, breaking quarantine and coming to visit you in Poland. And you're trying to process that. And you have about five seconds to process that. And there's even like the awkward hello that he gives back to her. And he's like, what is she doing here? And really doesn't even get to process that before. It's just uh, spikes through the throat. A, a tough way to go for Nico, who's been, uh, a, a cent- if not a central character, certainly um, an, an important recurring character along the way here on Killing Eve. Any eulogy for Nico, Jess? Um, he seemed like a pretty great guy who just had a really long string of bad luck. I would yeah. say he's probably got the worst luck of anybody on the series. It was like he was a pretty normal guy and he had this great job he loved teaching he had a great circle of friends and he had this great wife who worked this boring desk job and all of a sudden she gets out of the boring desk job and has something else going on gets caught up in it and it just ruins his entire life and then ends it yeah he's a good cook it seems like yeah he's a great dude uh in the novel version of these of the series that uh, I've got through the first book. He's an avid bridge player. Oh, he and Eve have connected. Apparently it's not just something for very, very old people to play bridge. Like in my this dad universe. Yeah. They had this whole like lively social circle where they played bridge together and they met at the bridge club. Wow. So, Who knew? Yeah. It, they, and it's just like, that's the sort of thing. They're just boring enough. And then as soon as things stopped getting boring, uh, they just, you know, it, it it completely ended his life. A bridge too far, one might Indeed. say. Yeah, yes. so R.I.P. Nico. Sad to lose him. Um, this season is not messing around, Jess. No, I, I really feel like we're George R.R. Martining it up. Anyone could get killed. Uh, I think, except Eve. (laughs) Yeah, it would be hard to kill Eve. Uh, That does seem like that is the... Is that that the the point of the show, though? Death by a thousand cuts. Death by a thousand uh, pitchforks to the... Porch fix? Was that what I was about to say? Porch fix? That sounds like like some sort of prefix menu that you get on a porch. This, This was not that. Uh, no. Death by a thousand pitchforks to the throat. Like, are, are, is is this going to be the slow attrition of Eve Pilastri's soul along the way here? Is this show actively killing Eve? Um, and what will this latest death do to her? She already lost one of her closest friends here uh, in in the death of Kenny at the start of the season. Now she loses her on the way to being ex husband. Um, Got to imagine that Eve is going to take a pretty dark turn after this. I'm I'm both looking forward to it because I think Sandra Oh will act the shit out of it, uh, but I'm also dreading it because I hate when bad things happen to poor Eve Pilastri. It's true. It, it's a good point, Josh. I think we're not necessarily literally killing Eve. We're just destroying the person that Eve was at the beginning of season one. And every single subsequent thing that happens to her just kills her a little bit more. If we're killing 
uh, Nico at the halfway mark here, and Kenny is dead here in season three as well. Do you expect there to be another major death this season? And if so, who are some of the candidates on the board? You're taking Eve off the board. Could they kill Villanelle this year? They can't kill Villanelle. I think the only two people that I think are 100% safe are Eve and Villanelle because the series is about Eve and Villanelle. If you take one of them out, like, what are you going to do? Like, bring in Cousin Oliver to mm-hmm. bother Eve now? Yeah. I, I just don't see it happening. I think. I think at that point, like you can't replace the two Duke boys and bring in Coy and Vance and it's the same show. That's well, just not. They tried it. to do it on on Lethal Weapon recently. They they killed off uh, Riggs and they brought in Stifler and it didn't it didn't <laughs> it didn't work. Didn't work. It never works. It rarely Josh. does. It doesn't really work. For, it sometimes does, but it's rare. It's rare. Uh, but it it's, does, it's not hard ki- to it's do. It's not killing Villanelle, Jess. No, but. It's implied that Villanelle is the perpetrator of the killing. Yeah. Because sure. it's the entrance of Villanelle that kicked off all of this action and all of these things that have contributed to the killing of Eve. Yeah. So I think you have to say you can't kill Villanelle because that just destroys like the only thing that you could do on this show that would be more destructive to the show than killing off Villanelle would be if Villanelle and Eve suddenly were partners and they bought a house together and their love for each other overcame every outside thing and it was them against the world, that would be the only thing that would be worse than killing off Villanelle for this show. That would be tough. That would be hard. That would be a difficult thing to live with. But I think anybody else is fair game. I think up to and including Carolyn, if Carolyn died at some point in the next four episodes, I would not be surprised. Yeah, maybe then the most surprising thing to do would be to not kill any main characters off for the rest of the season. Uh, yeah, maybe. I think I could be surprised if... Yeah, I'm not going to be surprised if she is, and I'm not going to be surprised if she isn't. Yeah. I think that... I think I think both Eve and Villanelle kind of have that one mentor figure in their corner that may be nearly as untouchable, and I think we don't really kill Constantine either. Yeah, probably not. Uh, I would I would hate to lose Constantine. Great character. Um, I knew Nico was marked uh, in the in the in the whole open sequence with Nico because you see Dasha there uh, like you see Dasha is there at the bar. You get the flip side of that at the end of the episode when uh, the storyline and I thought very cleverly this week uh, rather than giving us like the big title cards for the locations. We were getting title cards for the storylines uh, this week. It was uh, very walking dead. I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, there was, you know, we're subverting the the structure, man. Uh, and we, we end with it with the Dasha story and you get to see like her at the bar where Nico was. But if you go back and you watch and for me, I didn't have to go back. I just saw it. I don't know if you caught it on the first pass, but Dasha's there. And like, I did not. Yeah. Right before they cut to the killing Eve title, when like everybody is like cheering with Nico because like the cool sports game thing happened on the sports game TV. Um, you see, (laughs) you see, you see Dasha. And at the time, like it happens really quickly, you see like an old woman with a shawl, like walk away very swiftly away from the bar where he has just left his phone. Um, And I caught that immediately. And I was like, oh, this is bad for Nico. I was like, okay, so this is the Nico dies episode. Uh, And so when when Eve showed up and like they had that hand waving moment at the halfway moment uh, mark. uh, And we were now breaking off into like clearly like these like storyline driven segments 
Um, I was like, I, I don't feel good about how this is going to end. Oh, up. Boy. So, well, this is like one of those things where now I have to go back and watch it again. It's one of those like who was the guy in the He-Man cartoons that was always hiding at some point in the episode and you had to try to find him? Oh, gosh, I don't know the name. Uh, I wasn't I, maybe a surprise. I'm not like a huge He-Man guy, but I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. This was exactly that. And somebody please get on Twitter and, and remind me who this was. Uh-huh. But <laughs> it, it, that's what it feels like, because I totally did not clock that that was Dasha. And it, in fact, it took me a minute because she's carrying herself so differently. It took me a minute to realize that was Dasha when we see her for real. And it's definitely the camera's like, look, it's Dasha. Check it out. Yeah. It, it took me a really, it took me a second to kind of connect that cognitive dissonance in my head. Yeah. I have at the end of my notes, because I'm taking my notes as I go through the episode as well in the first pass. Uh, and I, I have that cold open scene ending with, this is it. Hello, the Eve texts. Uh, and then the last line I have was, was Dasha there with three big question marks? So there she Good was. Catch. There she Good was. Catch. So you can go back. You can watch that. Um, a lot going on in this episode. I think the Nico thing rightfully is the big headline and worth all of the upfront chatter. Um, what are some of the other things you you want to talk about? There's a decent amount of Eve. It's Eve's birthday. Happy belated to Eve Pilastri. Oh yeah, she got a cake shaped like a bus which she immediately threw off the roof and i do not blame her because that thing was 90 percent fondant it was Wasn't a lot of fondant good. yeah fondant sucks yeah like if you want to give a birthday present to somebody you hate get him a cake made with fondant yeah i was watching man versus food as i often do uh and i was watching man versus food the other week and casey webb the current host of man versus food had a challenge where he had to crush a cake a gigantic ice cream cake uh filled with ice cream uh made to look like a gigantic scoop of vanilla ice cream with like a tiny little cone on it the cone you just eat really quickly and then you have to like eat the innards of the cake but you also have to eat the thing that's encasing the cake and it is like this thick thick rim of fondant uh and it looked like the worst thing that you could possibly eat so fondant has its use it has its place but it 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 really should not be eaten in excess it's just sugar chewy sugar grossness it should be something like if you're gonna make your cake look like something you should just be able to peel off and discard the fondant before you eat the cake yeah um yeah i think like uh I don't know. It's it's not my preference. Not my preference. But she's got the cake. She throws it off the roof. She's having a hard time, Jess. She's she's living out of bitter pill. Uh, makes sense. You know, she doesn't really want to go home since the bear was there. That's pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, if there was a bear in my house, I probably wouldn't want to go home either. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it depends on the bear, I suppose. This is a friendly bear, but it was a friendly bear that was given to you by an assassin. Right. So I don't think and you really want the assassin bear anymore. Yeah, you squeeze it and it says creepy things. Yeah, yeah you don't yeah. want that. You don't want that. So Eve's already having a tough time before she heads to, to Poland. She ends up staying the night at Jamie's platonic sleepover. Yeah, so here's my question, Josh. Am I the only one who's kind of sort of shipping Jamie Eve? No, but I think it just took a big setback. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Divorce would have been tough, but I think divorce was like... That's surmountable. Surmountable. Uh, Not that this is insurmountable. It's just probably kicked down the road a little bit further. Yeah, they're not going to... She's not going to fling herself directly into his arms when she gets back to London. No, but 
I feel like some seeds were planted this episode, no? No, I think so as well, for sure. And I think that we'd been like looking for it already, but this was like they're eating dinner next to each other and they're like kind of bearing their souls. Uh, and, you know, she, you know, she's talking about all the things that she's done wrong. And he's talking about all the things that he's done wrong. He's got a, you know, a pretty compelling past. He went to the zoo with his kid while he was on ketamine. Uh, I'd like to hear more about that. Yeah, I'd like to hear where his kids actually are. I yes. assume he is. They are with the custodial parent and he does not get to see them anymore. But the room felt like kids had just been there. Yeah. It's not that sort of creepy, you know, we're keeping the room exactly as they left it sort of thing, but it, it felt the room felt very lived in. Yeah, it did. Um, so where are where are the kids? Will we see the kids? Uh, I think that's all. Those are all worthy questions. Uh, Jamie, apparently he had uh, a, a good friend who died uh, because of drugs that Jamie gave to his friend. And Jamie says to Eve, who's like really surprised by that. Uh, don't think you're the only self-loathing asshole in the room ever. Choices, Eve. It's all about choices. And they cheers to that. Uh, very good advice, Jess. Uh- <laughs> yeah, I, I had that written down as well. Uh, I also noted that Eve has never bought the newspaper published by the homeless. Right, yes. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this one... Uh, I don't know. I, I like these two characters together. I do. Um, they have a great chemistry. I would be sad if suddenly Jamie wound up with a pitchfork through his throat by the end of the season. I there hope might he can, be a pitchfork with his name on it. I hope he can avoid it. I hope he can avoid it. Uh, well, especially if Jamie becomes a thing. Yeah. And I'm trying to make that happen, by the I'm, way. That, I'm that's happy, my I'll, hashtag. I'm happy to go Jamie if I think Jamie is good. Yeah, um, if that if that becomes a thing, I think I think it's very probable that either Villanelle takes him out or Dasha takes him out pretending to be Villanelle. Yeah. Although, yeah, because history tends to repeat itself. It does. And, like, the longer a show goes on, too, right? Like, I think uh, the possibility of something very bad happening to Jamie. Like, there there have been times where I've uh, compared killing Eve to 24. Uh, killing Nico instead of letting him just, like, kind of disappear, total 24 move. You can't just disappear on this show. Eventually, you have to get killed off. So I think eventually everybody probably has to get killed off. Yeah, I think so. Like anybody that we like even a little bit who seems like they might be contributing to the growth of the characters. Yeah. Especially if they're a character who seems like they might be able to get Eve out of this awful situation. Um, Meanwhile, uh, so Eve's going to go to to Poland basically on on advice from from Jamie, like, you know, sort of circularly and also because Dasha is trolling her via Nico's cell phone uh, and luring her to to Poland. So she's going to go to Poland. Meanwhile, there's everything that's going on with Constantine. We get to see uh, Constantine's daughter for the first time in a long time. That was nice. I love that character. She's great. It's a great relationship they have, too, where. It, they don't really seem like they like each other at all. And he says, yeah, you're going to you're going to skip school because I'm your father and I'm coming to get you. And she's like, yeah, fine, whatever. Yeah. Uh, no, it was great. It was great. Uh, really great to see her. Yeah, they skip school. Uh, she wants to they want to talk in Sanskrit. Uh, Arena wants Constantine to stay, but he has to go back to England. Uh, he says, no, England's terrible. Way worse than you. <laughs> Drag both Arena and England, Constantine. Yes. Yeah, I. I it's it's very clever, and yeah. you can tell that they are 
they are absolutely cut from the same cloth. It's excellent casting and excellent, excellent acting on both of their parts. Yeah. Um, Constantine is going to go to the widow of the money man uh, who was who was murdered last week. Hans Gruber, uh, Hans Gruber's cousin, Charles Gruber. Uh, and uh, I believe we, we identified that that is not indeed the name. Uh, and no. she's very nervous, and like she had this thing, like there was this file, send it, you know, send this file in case something terrible happens. What do I do? And ah, uh, oh, this is so sad. She's trusting the exact wrong person. Um, he's like, just send me the thing, um, and let's just get you somewhere safe. As he's like trying to like do like the mental gymnastics of like, all right, I gotta kill her. How do I do this in like something of like a, a peaceful, docile way? And she's like, oh, I'll just go to the summer house. He's like, cool. I've got the spot. That'll work. Yeah. What was that exact address again? <laughs> yeah. You know, just in case I need to check on you. I could go through my Gmail and, you know, search for the address. But this would be a lot easier since we're, we're right around each other. Um, so th- this is going to bring Villanelle into the mix. And first, Villanelle, who, who obviously gave Eve the big cake for her birthday. So we're gonna, is she, is she, was she trying to, like, make her own cake to send to Eve first? Is that what this was? Or is she trying to, like, make her own cake to separately celebrate Eve's birthday? I don't think you want to mail a cake from Barcelona to London and have it. I don't think that's really going to hold up real well, even if it's a very good cake. So I think that cake might just be her own way of celebrating to herself. Yeah. That being said, the quality of the cake suggests that maybe Villanelle doesn't understand cake etiquette so well that maybe she would think that it would be totally legit to just send a cake like in a box with no refrigeration, no safeties at all. And just like schlep that over to London and it'd be totally fine. Yeah, I mean, she she knows how to do a lot of things. So Apparently, I assume this is not one of them. <laughs> I assume food safety was maybe the next class, and she skipped that class. Yeah, if Villanelle had to go undercover as a, a chef or a baker or anything, she'd be screwed. Oh, she'd be totally screwed. I love that she's easier. Uh, that that clown clown antics come easier to her than than baking. Yeah, well that. The gardening thing. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like she was still channeling her clown <laughs> yeah. education. Yeah. Uh, so we get, we get a, a, a bit of information about Villanelle before she goes off on, on the mission. Is that apparently the 12 uh, are, are interested in, in a promotion. Uh, they're, they're feeling this. This is all good. They want to meet with her. You work well. You move up. Um, but we also see later on with the Dasha stuff that she's meeting with clearly a higher up on the 12, somebody who's much higher than Dasha. Dasha herself, when she's talking to this person, seems pretty uh, low on the on the food chain, right? Yeah, we, we got to talk about this Villanelle promotion storyline because... I'm not buying it, it. Yeah, it really does not make sense because we've never gotten the sense that Villanelle wants more for herself. And I really, especially after... The cool clown incident, it really doesn't seem like management is something she's going to enjoy as much as what she's doing now. Like, this is the Peter principle, right, Josh? Yeah. It's kind of like, you're really good at the job you do, so we're going to give you a job managing people who do that job. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a good manager. So she's done okay on her assassinations, but she also broke protocol to go see Eve, and that's not making anybody happy, least of all Dasha's very glamorous boss. It really feels like, A... Villanelle should not want this. B, the 12 should not be entertaining giving it to her. Right. And I think the the thing for me following that is that Killing Eve, you know, another show, all of what you just said would be true and that would be a failure of writing. 
On a show like Killing Eve, I want to give the show the benefit of the doubt because it's been so um, intelligently entertaining uh, for so much of the show. Uh, this, is a, this is a pretty smart show. This is a really good show. And I want to believe that if the 12 wants to meet with Villanelle, it's not going to be for the reason that Dasha is saying, whether Dasha knows it or not. And if Villanelle really wants a promotion here... That I think like it, it could be in character for me for Villanelle insofar as like she's so like uh, chronically bored that she's always just looking for something that is like actually going to be different and like make her feel something because it's so hard to get her to feel something. Um, I can I can accept that to a certain extent, but I'm more incentivized to believe that maybe Villanelle has something up her sleeve where it comes to the boss. Like every time she has met a new superior. Uh, she has uh, gone against them pretty quickly. Like that one she killed very, very immediately back in the first season. Um, the guy from last year who she was constantly butting heads with until she convinced Eve to axe murder him. Um, so like, I think that Villanelle, if she wants this meeting with management, I don't trust her intentions. And I really more so don't trust management's intentions with Villanelle. In other words, this show assumes we're asking these questions. I, ho- right I hope now. so. I hope so. I think so. Yeah, I I hope so too. I've just I've been burned so many times. Josh. I know <laughs> it's really hard. It typically on shows you and I mutually cover, so, <laughs> so it's worth being a little bit on edge. But I I think uh, I I feel like I feel like this will pay off. I think I think that this is going to be in a, this is going to move in the right direction. All right. Well, I believe you then. I, I hope so. You. I hope so. I don't I hope trust so. television, but I trust I know. you. Well, that's also a mistake, but I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate your loyalty. I'll try to, to treat it delicately. You would never send me a cake with fondant, Josh. No, no, never, never, never in a million years would I send you a cake with fondant. I'd send you pizza. Really good yeah, one. That's really what good. I would. Oh, go for the savory, man. not the sweet. And I, I, I could murder a pizza right now. Yeah. All right. They, well, they don't know pizza out here. I believe that. I believe that to be true. Uh, I am a pizza snob, if nothing else. Um, but Constantine's going to come to Villanelle. Even though Villanelle's not supposed to go out of town, Constantine has a job for Villanelle that's out of town. And um, stemming off of last week, where Villanelle was suddenly very interested in how did I look when I was a baby? Was I a cute baby? Blah, 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 blah. Um, she is now going to get the information from Constantine as to where her family is. And he'll give the information as long as Villanelle does this job for, for him. And that job is to, to kill, uh, Hans Gruber's brother's widow. Uh, and did I, was he the cousin first? And now he's the brother. Simon Gruber is the brother. That's the Jeremy Irons character. Oh yes. Um, and so she has to go all the way to Lyon and we have the big garden scene. Um, and it's fantastic. Uh, this is where the hiccups begin, and this is where the violence uh, ensues after many attempts of scaring each other. Uh, and I, I found this whole sequence to be rather delightful, in spite of myself. Yeah, th- this was a this was really fun to watch because it really this is classic Villanelle because for a moment you almost buy it yourself that she's really connecting to this woman and they're having a nice moment and they're playing. And then you see the switch flip while they're running through the garden. You kind of see it being like this other villanelle has come out um, where she's more delighted by the thrill of the chase and she's kind of hunting her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And for a while it's like, they're just playing around and you're like, Oh, well I kind of like villanelle this way. This is funny. This is cute. Like maybe she's going to have a change of heart here. And then you're like, no, it's Villanelle. Obviously she's not. She's definitely going to murder this woman. And it's interesting to me how many of Villanelle's targets this season have been women. Yeah. 
And a lot of times on their face, it's hard to tell why this would be the target. And she had she's killed women before. She doesn't seem to discriminate. But it's been very interesting to me to clock how many of these targets she's had have been women who do not seem to fit the mold of like powerful men holding state secrets like her early kills were. On this one, it seems to be because she was connected to the money man. Well, right. That, this was not. This was extracurricular. This yeah. was. This was not twelve sanctioned. This was off but, the books. This was a Constantine job. Yeah. Um. But what about the the saffron lady, or was yeah, it? The, uh, what was it? Uh, Paprika. The saffron lady and the uh, lady with the baby. Right. Right. Yeah. No, it's a good question. All these powerful women that she's coming after. What's the reason? Yeah. It's it's interesting that those are the targets that she's being given, and yeah. this one, while not officially part of her job also fits that bill uh skipping ahead to the end of the episode we are gonna after after villanelle kills this woman we will end the episode at quote unquote home uh with villanelle curing her hiccups getting off the train uh and that's an exciting tease for for where things could be going for that story villanelle going back to her roots are you excited for the villanelle origin story josh i don't think any environment that creates Villanelle is going to be one that you're going to be excited to go back to and explore. That's just me. Yeah, probably not. Unless you are a strong believer in nature over nurture, she can't have been nurtured all that much because if she did, she would have a conscience. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see that collision because I think that like she clearly, you know, has some some things that are just like innately like off um but where does that come from is that something that she was literally born into by virtue of being born from her parents uh biologically or is it because like the world she came from before she got scooped up by the 12 was also really dark and sinister uh it's probably both yeah we're really being serious like this does not look like a thriving little hamlet that she's stepped off the train in right that there's a bratty old bedbug infested couch sitting by the train tracks right that doesn't scream to me a place that you're delighted to return to right right but i'm delighted to see it i think it's gonna be fun i'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the what the fallout of all It'll of be that is comic in its awfulness i yeah. would imagine well i think it's it's it may it may leave us in a place where both like uh, it's really struck a nerve close to home for Eve just in this episode. And what is that going to look like for, for Villanelle? Like, what's the potential of that? Like, what is the, the version of Nico getting skewered by a pitchfork that's coming her way? Obviously, it would be a very different thing because Villanelle, you know, looks at human beings very differently than, than Eve does. Um, so I don't, I don't expect it to be a one for one, but I think pushing these characters into like, somewhat similar places this season as we're kind of exploring their post breakup quote unquote uh existence uh i'm fascinated i think it'll be fun yeah it's definitely it's gonna be interesting at any rate yeah um anything from the carolyn stuff that that you want to get into the frog noise machine are you a fan of the frog noise machine that carolyn uses to go to sleep i really i feel like there's a there's a ringtone that is that frog and it's I, I would find it distracting. I don't think I could sleep with that. I would feel like my phone was ringing. Mm-hmm. Um, I wear uh, on on uh, the recommendation of your friend and mine, the great Rob Sesternino here uh, in the in our in our podcast, Neck of the Woods. 
Uh, I wear a, a Bluetooth sleep mask every night before I go to sleep or as I go to sleep while I'm asleep. Uh, and I often listen to the strange noises like frogs. So this was in my wheelhouse. I felt I felt seen by Carolyn's tactics. Yeah, I, need, see, yeah. I need that white noise. I'm a person that does not do well with noise while I'm trying to sleep. How um, have you pulled off living in Manhattan for as long as you have? Well, we have an apartment that doesn't face a busy street and you can uh, hear sirens, but they're all at least a block away. Yeah. So that's been okay. And of course, being out in the middle of nowhere now, I sleep very well. Although my husband is one of these people that can't have any light in the room. Oh, so, stuff. you know, he's like blackout curtains and can deal with noise, but I cannot, like, I can deal with light. I can fall asleep with all the lights on, but if it's loud, I can't. Oh, you could fall asleep with all the lights on? Like, you could sleep oh, yeah. through the night? Oh, yeah. That's a good power to have. It's a it's a superpower, yeah. for sure. Uh, one of my I'd, superpowers I'd used that. to be sleeping on planes, but that's really uh, not not so relevant anymore. Yeah. I mean, it'll be, it will be again. Someday. 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 Uh, that's my biggest takeaway from the Carolyn stuff. <laughs> is, yeah. her, is her sleeping habits. I mean, I guess that, like, um, one of the bigger things is... Geraldine and 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 Carolyn are are having a little bit of a hard time coexisting, right? Yeah, and it's just because Carolyn is not someone who outwardly feels her feelings, and we've kind of known that about Carolyn. Yeah. Um, but Geraldine like wants to get Carolyn to like talk more. She wants to get Carolyn. You can't even say Kenny's name out loud. Is this all just Geraldine being very emotional and trying to get Carolyn to emote with her so that they can share in this mutual grief? Or Jess? <laughs> this is the dumbest theory. <laughs> this is the, it's, I, and honestly, though, I, now you've got me second-guessing everything. Because if on any other show, again, I would be like, that is the stupidest idea I've ever heard. And She's Carolyn's daughter. Does the apple flower fall from the tree? I mean, I think if any show could pull that off is and she not have me. Spy, man. Oh, if any show could do it. This show could, but it's so dumb, Josh. And I can't decide if like it's one of those galaxy brain things where it's so dumb, it's smart. Yeah. Like, I didn't think I thought it would have been dumb if Dante had been a whisperer. And yeah. you know how that turned out. Right, right. So we'll see. Just put a I was going to say put a fork in it, but uh, that has a different connotation this week. Uh, so there's everything Yikes. that's going on with all of that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, Carolyn, uh, it seems like her boss, this guy, Paul, uh, they're trying to humanize him a little bit more. And like she and, uh, uh, Carolyn and Paul are, are trying to like commiserate a little bit and find some semblance of, if not an alliance, then at least like a better working relationship with each other. Oh, but he's so awful, Josh. He does seem pretty terrible and he seems to at least know it, you know? Yeah. I mean, at least he's not pretending he's not a douche. Yeah. So I appreciate that at the very least. Um, but I think this episode didn't do too much for me with Carolyn other than just a, a, like kind of like going through the motions of her post-grief life uh, or her, her life through grief, her post-Kenny life. Um, and that she's got her eye on Constantine, right? Like she sees Constantine uh, leaving her own house uh, and clearly uh, talking to Geraldine. Unless Geraldine wasn't talking to Constantine, is it possible that Constantine was just like dropping in without Geraldine even knowing to get like the magnet? 
Um, do you think he got the magnet? I don't know. Um, it's possible he dropped by and like had another one of those like weirdly pleasant conversations with Geraldine and then like sleight of handed the the magnet. Yeah. Or Josh, if we're if we're entertaining dumb theories, mm-hmm. like what if the two of them are now involved? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And he's trying to get close to Carolyn yeah. by, you know, scratching some kind of itch that Geraldine didn't know she had. Yeah. Uh, the, the Russian bear and not of the bitter pill variety. Yeah. Although it's super creepy whenever anybody gets romantically involved with someone that's known them when they were a child. Yeah. So I hope they don't go that way. That hope, would be creepy. Hope so too. Uh, speaking of bear. Uh, lay off of his cocoa puffs uh, and stay out of his chair. Well, why would you just sit in someone's desk and eat their food? Like, it's clearly just, his desk. I don't care if you guys okay. have yeah the, the rotating desk system. That's his spot. Just let him have his spot. Dealing with high stakes stuff. Let the man have his breakfast in peace. Yeah, like go out and get your own cocoa puffs. Uh, anything else from this episode, Jess? Um, we have hit on I think the main points. Yeah. Yeah, I think so I too. Mean, after after Nico got forked in the throat, yeah. it really kind of felt like everything else was unnecessary. Yeah, you know, it's a lot of like character pushing to get you to that point where, oh my god, they killed Kenny and now they killed Nico, you bastards. Yeah, I don't think that's the last important death this season. All right, Josh. okay. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I mean, this is a show where people get killed with regularity. It's just my question is who would, who would it be? Uh, and I think like the only two that would be bigger than what we've sustained so far would be, um, uh, in terms of like plausible uh, deaths, would be Carolyn and Constantine, one of them. Um, if the show really wanted to take a swing, they could take a shot at Eve or Villanelle, but that's when you start like talking about like, homeland post season three which i know some people will defend um but like uh you're now like really changing the face of your show um so uh we'll see we'll see exactly where that's gonna go where we're gonna go jess is uh episode five we're coming at it next week uh are you from pinner is the name of the episode are you sure they don't mean are you from pinner i was waiting for that josh and i was uh, gonna let you do the impression because my impression again, of rob's impression of Bennett. yeah again i don't it's do not, impressions. <laughs> it's not very good still got it uh did you like the name of the episode still got it this one well i i always like i always like the puzzle of figuring out where that title is going to come from mm-hmm. but again dasha is the mvp when it comes to titles yeah she's got the title uh, you know, she's trying to leave a catchphrase behind that can double as uh, something that Villanelle would say to Eve. I still got that killer instinct, but also like, it's probably for herself too. like, ah, I pulled this one off. This was complicated. I lured Eve to the middle of nowhere, Poland, and forked her husband in the throat right in front of her. That was complicated. That was tough to pull off. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess if you if nobody else is going to appreciate your hard work. You got to appreciate yourself. You do. It's true. Try not to break your arm patting yourself on the back. All right. All right. Well, we'll be back. Hopefully patting the back of Killing Eve next week. Season three, episode five. Are you from Pinner? We'll be back next week on post show recaps. Get your questions in for us. Any feedback you've got. Killing Eve at postshowrecaps.com. Also subscribe, rate and review. Our Killing Eve specific feed is up and working uh, after a few uh, fits and starts. It is all set now, so please go check that out. Subscribe. You'll never miss an episode of the Killing Eve podcast. 
Jess, what's going on? What else you got going on? Um, not very much at the moment, Josh. I've got an article coming out for Prime Timer probably in about a week and a half. I saw something I really wanted to write about and I jumped on it and it turned out I had two weeks of lead time. So that's coming up. Nice. Okay, cool. Uh, we've got some candy in the mail, I understand. We're, we're still waiting on our, uh, our toffee eclairs. Uh, yeah, they have well, not arrived here yet. Jess, Jess and I ordered toffee eclairs. We were going to do a taste test for this podcast. I don't have them yet. No, nor do I. I imagine you're going to get yours way sooner than me because it takes the takes the delivery services a minute out here. Takes a minute too. still. You know, everybody's trying to do their best right now. We are trying to do our best on post-show recaps, keeping you entertained. We'll have the Westworld finale coverage as soon as humanly possible. Joe Garfine and I are planning on recording that podcast very early on Tuesday morning. So you still have some time to get some feedback in Westworld at postshowrecaps.com for our finale podcast. Kevin Mahadeo and I are braving... The, uh, the trenches of World War II with Captain America, the first Avenger, in our Marvel Cinematic Universe rewatch podcast that's going to be dropping this week on Wednesday. And then Lost, down the hatch, goes to maternity leave. The, the Claire Littleton season two flashback. Week two of Henry Gale. Henry Gale is in the house, Jess. Oh, man. I hope he's doing okay. I heard he crashed his balloon. Yeah, poor guy. It's just a really traumatic time, and he's been... Finally found other people, and he's going to learn how to trust again. Yeah, so we're working on it. We're trying to rehabilitate his trust issues over on the Down the Hatch podcast. So make sure you don't miss a thing by subscribing to Post Show Recaps on your podcast app of choice. And we will be back next week to talk Killing Eve 305. Until then, everybody, take care. Bye-bye. Kill Bill while others dance, though, honey, that ain't cute. Constantine is a bop. Tell girl what you got to do. Baby, so is she. Teams up with Carolyn. Now, baby, that's a dream. If she's wake, somebody's gonna die. On a day off, all high fashion, looking fly. When she kills, you know your mama's gonna cry. I got a question, just ask Kenny. He's your guy. Billionaire.